0: Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Middle of the week with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us on this hump day. Uh, You want to be part of the show? You can do so on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Feel free to jump in and let us know what is
2: on your mind Happy Wednesday, Borky. What's up? Happy Wednesday. God, this week's going by slow, as it turns out. Slow? Yeah, man. It's only Wednesday?
0: I agree with Borky.
2: I'm also, I'm in a little bit of a depression. My local grocery store has rearranged where everything is. That's a mm-hmm. nightmare. Oh.
3: That the is worst. a bit of a bummer. Where do you go to the grocery store? Is it that one by county line that like used to be a college, or is now a college, used to be a grocery store? I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, behind Scrooge's. I guess you're further out than that.
2: Yeah, I'm up north of the reservoir. So where do you go to the grocery store? Uh, Kroger.
1: And Kroger just all of a sudden decided to rearrange everything? Man,
2: everything. Like, they've got a map. The second you walk in, they've got a map, and they're in the process of doing it slowly. (laughs) And it's like, here's where all this stuff is going to be. But right now, they're in the process of moving everything. So even when you look at the map to find your stuff, it's not there yet.
1: So we lived in Jackson for almost a year for Jane's next-to-last year of pharmacy school. So the, the clinical year in Jackson. And we kind of lived in Northeast Jackson, over kind of close to J.A., rented a house over there. And so we used the big Kroger that's right there on 55, like just, uh, I guess it's just south of County Line Road. Does that, does that make sense? I think that's where it is. Anyway, the, the great big Kroger that you can see from 55. And for almost the entire 10 months that we were there, it was under construction because they were turning it in, in from a big Kroger into like Mega Kroger, (laughs) double the size of it. And so for the entire time, it was like every time I went, there was, you know, stuff was in a different place. And I remember that being a little maddening. They're doing that in Oxford right now also. They're like doubling the size of Kroger.
2: Yeah, like you you have a game plan, you you make a list, and you want it to be really quick. Like it it was something I did early this morning so I could, you know, get done and record a podcast with Rippy and then record one of my own. And also, I don't know, like do my actual job and prepare for this radio show. And it took, like, at least 30 minutes longer than it should have. Just ruined my day completely. Off the hey, job. Dad,
1: hey, Dad, do you make grocery store runs? Oh, yeah, all the time. So you're you're like the family grocery shopper? No, normally we just do the, the, the click and pick or whatever it
0: is. But I the go to the grocery list? store. Yeah, yeah. It but really I do is a great thing. Store. It's the best thing. It's one of the best inventions ever.
1: You know, I don't, I don't know if the Starkful kroger or whatever grocery store it is you go to has this but they have added in oxford in addition to ClickList, you can mm-hmm. actually have your groceries delivered and you yeah, have to they pay have, a little bit they, extra for that and they do that now i mean too, I, yeah. I i guess maybe it's not always worth the money but that's pretty awesome but sometimes it's worth the money and that's enough <laughs> yes. yes you're right you haven't done the grocery delivery thing yet have you
3: no and I don't go in grocery stores often enough to be upset when they rearrange things because I just follow the signs anyway
1: I mean you buy like beer and pop tarts and ramen noodles right
3: mac and cheese <laughs> well and bread every time it rains below 50 degrees here just in case but bread and milk yeah I mean I don't have any like, in depth stuff i uh I used to go get stuff for like to grill but now i uh I have my friend greg for that one there you go but let's yeah, go pretty, to LBs instead. Yeah, it's pretty much about it. I think I don't really get anything regular at the store. Big, cereal Big Chip guy. Uh, yeah, cereal. Uh, I'm trying to think. That's pretty much it. I've got. We've gotten to the point, and, and
1: this is Frozen so far. Pizza.
3: Off. I, yeah, I could one particular brand. No, do you
1: do like the super cheap ninety nine cent ones, or do you do like the. Uh, it's not delivery,
3: it's DiGiorno. Depends on how nice of a culinary experience I want for the evening.
1: <laughs> if it's a date night or not? <laughs>
3: yeah. So, we'll see. Maybe I got you a Red
1: Baron tonight. Let's go.
0: Stuffed
3: crust DiGiorno. I had a roommate in college one time who walked in and said, like, Check out this DiGiorno," And I was like, Excuse me? And he <laughs> De- was like, Gornia. Yeah. I was like, Oh, you can fit in on this radio show. <laughs> do you buy Pringles at the store that came in on the text line? I do. I haven't eaten those in quite a while. We've, we have reached... A point of
1: frustration, um, maybe only for me, but from time to time, I don't like load up on junk food at the store. But I will occasionally get the box of Captain Crunch or you know an extra bag of chips or maybe a box of Little Debbie's or something like that, and I would always you know put those on a shelf that was above eye level in the pantry, and they were there for me. Well, now my kids go in the pantry, and they don't just like go in to grab something. They go in to see what's in the pantry. And so like, I woke up and was ready to pour a bowl of cereal. It's like, why is there an empty box of Captain Crunch? We're in that stage where you eat all the stuff, and then you don't even throw the box away.
0: My youngest daughter was putting back the orange juice. Uh, two days ago. And I mean it, there was less than a half an ounce of orange juice left. And I just looked at her <laughs> and was like drink that. Just to drink it right out of the bottle. Don't there put that go. back in the in, in, in the fridge. And she did. So
1: C Spire text line, cheap pizza, cheap beer, cheap chips.
3: Fair enough. Mm. Um,
1: what what is the non negotiable you will not buy generic grocery store item?
0: Reynolds Wrap Okay, that's a good one I will not buy cheap foil It just tears up Reynolds Wrap is the only good foil to use
1: Okay, so you get the, the, the more expensive aluminum foil Yeah C Spire text line Richard is a typical Ole Miss
3: fan trash Well, look at the, look at the previous message We are yeah. off and yeah. running on a Wednesday Let's go As he's listening to the show saying This show sucks, tired of it Oh
2: Well. Yeah, I told him he doesn't have to listen anymore
3: the fact that you have to tell him that might be everything you need to know. Yeah, yeah.
2: it might be a you problem. I was
3: not even sure what I've said so far today about
2: grocery stores that uh, makes me typical old Miss
1: fan
3: trash. Uh, Someone chastised me for cheap beer. I'd have aged Rolling Rock, bro. Since when did that become cheap?
1: Jeez. <laughs> uh, okay, what else? What, what's the other thing that you will not buy generic? Literally uh, nothing. Ju-
2: I am the... Complete opposite. Like, if, if I used you do that way on com- cheese. Compared to this item, who, like, okay, I'll take you. If it's got, like, the off brand and the same ingredients, I'm buying it. I could not care less.
3: When I was a kid, I used to my be generic on cheese. Off-brand.
0: I would the, only uh, buy craft cheese. Now I buy whatever. Yeah.
3: My friends, when I was a kid, we had an outside fridge, like the classic outside fridge where the soft drinks are in, and my parents would get the, uh, the Big K brand oh, yeah. soft drink, and so my friends would like like it at the same time, but like affectionately make fun of me, like Mountain Lightning, Doctor Thunder, uh, some RC. It was it was a big twi- beautiful twist up instead of uh, Seven Up or Sprite.
0: Uh, my uh, my cousins, they had their dad was like that. Now I give that man full credit because he put five kids through college and none of them have any debt and they're, they're all paid off and all that, but. I mean you, you, you go open that you opened up his pantry door and it was a lot of you know Dr. K and and uh, you know the cereal was toasted oats and rice bits and not not what you expect. So
3: we workshopped a take in junior high for a while that the Dr. K version of Coke was way better than actual Coke and I think I still stand by that.
1: You think? Yeah. All right, a bunch of takes on the things that you will not buy generic. Lucas and Union, Mayo. If it's not blue plate, it's not mayo. There are a lot of people that are passionate about their mayonnaise. I'm very passionate about
3: not eating it. And won't eat it whatsoever, so like naturally one time I ate four spoonfuls of it.
0: Uh, Amanda in Pike County has got a good one.
1: Yeah, uh, okay, so multiple on this. Um, Amanda and a couple of other people that did not identify themselves will not skimp on toilet paper. <laughs> it's either got to be Charmin for yeah. Quilted Northern Get out of here with that, you know.
2: Making a Twitter poll Twitter. right now, but uh, a right in style. What's the question that we're pondering? Word it for What me. is
1: the what is the item, the one item that you will not buy generic at the grocery store? Joe in Gulfport says no off-brand Ziploc bags. I'm actually That's we've a had good, good success with the uh the off-brand Ziploc bags. Toilet they're paper okay is not a
3: universal right answer but it's not food like can't be sandpaper in that deal
1: I don't necessarily have to have yellow and blue make
0: green from Ziploc. what about a uh, what about charcoal shouldn't buy like great value or whatever charcoal you should yeah
1: no with. I'm with you on that I mean like I'm Kingsford only if it's like charcoal briquettes yeah. but maybe a little bit different if you're buying lump charcoal right <laughs> Corey in Cleveland. He goes with prophylactics. <laughs> well, that's Little a good Rock call, man, friend. Um, we have a beer. We have multiple submissions for Velveeta. Yeah,
3: if no Velveeta, sour you can buy cream.
1: Velveeta. Somebody says that Members Mark heavy duty food service foil in the 500 foot se- uh, size is the only foil to buy. Um, garbage bags. That's a good call there. Somebody mm-hmm. says no generic soft drinks. We get a red Baron pizza is the best. Mac and cheese, craft only. Uh, another vote for Charmin. Sports Talk Mississippi. I promise when we come back. Oh! Only because these are making me laugh, not because I'm going to turn this into a three hour. What do we do at the grocery store? We got some strong takes on here. Hellman's is the only mayo. Jif is the only peanut butter. Gif is, by the way, not an alternate pronunciation in this situation. (laughs) Welch's is the only jelly. Oh, come on now. Smuckers. I'm with you there. I am am Smuckers only on the jelly. Smuckers strawberry for the uh, PB&J. Boom, me and Richard Cross coming together.
3: I think these people are full of it. If you put Peter Pan and Jeff next to each other and took the labels off, there's no way you could tell the difference. You're wrong. No, I'm not. You're wrong. I don't I, see. I think all <laughs> the people that do that are full of it.
1: I'll tell you what you can tell the difference on. It drives me crazy is when my wife buys Smucker's natural peanut butter. Oh, you like take the lid off and you got to stir it to make it all like got peanut the, butter oh. consistency. Oh. Nobody wants that. It's terrible. Um, I remember this as a kid. So. Uh, We get get a message that says, only Pop-Tart brand Pop-Tarts, and I completely agree with that, but I do remember my mom from time to time buying uh, generic Pop-Tarts when I was a kid. Generic Pop-Tarts are fine. I disagree. They taste like cardboard. I didn't know they made
0: such
3: a thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Somebody said there's maybe one factory in America where they actually make charcoal and they just pour it into different bags. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true.
3: Heinz ketchup or get out. you got to do the sriracha ketchup if you're actually a veteran. I agree on the Heinz. Um, People are
1: passionate about their mayonnaise takes. Because we have had Hellman's is the only mayo. Blue Pate is the only mayo. Duke's mayonnaise with multiple exclamation marks.
2: That's your taste test difference, right there. Is give Rippy three spoons with three different mayonnaises and see if he can tell the difference.
3: Oh, oh, gross. Oh, I don't think I could do it. I could eat three spoonfuls of mayonnaise, I couldn't decipher the difference.
1: Um, I had just a friend text me. He said, duct tape, duck brand duct tape is the only way to go. French's is the only mustard.
0: No grape-upon. Amanda
1: says, Smucker's natural peanut butter is so much healthier than any other kind, and I cannot eat anything but Smucker's jelly. Okay.
2: Health is in our forte. Yeah. Between yeah. the yeah. four yeah. of it us. Really Amanda, isn't.
1: I love you, but you're wrong on your peanut butter take. Uh, there is a generic floss is torture. It kind of shreds in your mouth. Uh. Oh. Uh, there was somebody that said no off-brand or generic brand birth control. That's right. Get a call. <laughs>
2: okay. Okay. We'll take your word for it, pal.
1: Um I think it's probably time for us to move on. Are you sure what's what's next? What else uh, we're about, did we're I about do to today? some
0: Champions League. I have got rippy a champion a, a team. Rippy, I got you a soccer team.
1: Tottenham or RB
0: Leipzig. That's Red Bull Leipzig. They're sponsored by Red Bull. There Come on, NLS Rippy, get involved. Team? No, they're isn't a Bundesliga M- team.
3: No, isn't there an MLS team called the Red Bulls? I think so, but this team why is actually gonna, good. Why am I going to outsource my soccer fandom? Well, you want to play in the Champions League. You want to you know, play for the best. I'm going to put America first. Give me a New York Red Bulls.
2: They're the Red Bulls and they making... play in Red Bull Arena. I really? Know. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. I was glad to, uh, I was glad to see my, or, yeah? uh,
1: my Man- M- Manchester oh, United forgot. team get the uh, dub earlier this week over... Uh, this guy. Who was it they played?
0: Who Na- was name, name two players on Manchester United? It I'll, was, I'll uh, give you money if you do it.
3: Is Wayne Rooney still oh, around, bald guy? No. about Chelsea? Yeah. Uh David Beckham? No, no. <laughs> He's long retired. Pele? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not still playing <laughs> soccer. No. I- I'm sorry. What was the question on the board again?
0: What what was the question for what?
1: What 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 did you just ask me? Name Please two me players. That soccer team. Bruno. What's his last name? I def- doesn't matter. Fernandez. Gonna... Fernandez. Okay. <laughs> kind of depends okay. on where you are. I'm impressed. I'm sure you're. Uh, I'm sure you're odds are he's got it, a okay. Google
2: search up in front yeah, of he's, him he's right now. He's Googling
1: it, but that's fine. Odeon's uh, a pretty good player as well. Who? <laughs> uh, Odeon Igallo.
3: I bet he flops. Um, Not as bad as that Arkansas flop last night. The the
1: one-name-only guy. Fred's my favorite. Fred? He's Brazilian.
2: Wait, they have a guy named Fred? Fred? Yeah, Yeah, his name is just Fred. No last name. The Brazilians all do that, man.
0: Madonna. Just Fred? Kobe. The Brazilians do that, man.
2: Oh, he's got a full name. Frederico Rodriguez de Paulo Santos. Wouldn't you go by Fred? He's just Fred.
3: (laughs) I have a a college buddy of mine. His dad uh, went by Patrick Patrick. Sure, the Majamatic's a good uh,
1: good one as well. Matic. Look, man, potato, potato. You wanted <laughs> me to name a couple of players. I've given you several, and all you can do is correct me. <laughs> I guess. Hey, when did Sergio Romo get out of basketball coaching and get into the goalkeeping business?
3: <laughs> I thought he was a reliever for the Giants for a while. It's Sergio Romero. It's a hell of an athlete. Funny. Yeah, I was trying to be funny.
1: Uh, hoops last night in Columbia, Missouri, or Columbia if you prefer. Ole Miss and
3: Missouri interesting-ish game. I actually spent ten minutes explaining to Borky how bored I was by this. Uh, I had it on, was doing laundry. Uh, I was locked into the last 13, 14 minutes, I would say. But, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss I thought played okay. were disappeared. And then, really, the last 90 seconds, again, were really, really bad. Like, that's back-to-back games. I mean, most crucial sequence of the game, they go C foul, turnover, buff and foul, when you didn't have to in either one. I kind of understand the C thing. He's being aggressive. Like, that was a tough call.
1: Kind of out on the sideline, tried to extend his leg. He was trying to use the sideline as an extra defender.
3: and get Yeah, whatever. Front. Just got up into him. The buffing one was unnecessary. And then Tyree for... It, he dribbled it, it off his foot. Feels hard to criticize Tyree because he does so much for the team, but it, I don't think you're absolved of criticism when you turn it over in the most crucial possession of the game.
1: Well, and you know, for, for Bree and Tyree last night, 29 points in 39 minutes, but he had six turnovers and had a wide open look. Like, killer crossover, defender falls down, nobody within six feet of him, top of the key, straight on three to send it to overtime, clank, tipped out, throws up a prayer at the buzzer, nothing.
3: I just, I, like, his, Breein Tyree not being clutch is becoming the new Gray Kessinger's playing shortstop because of his last name message board, like, slap it on the wall and see if he can get people route up thing. I don't necessarily buy into it, and you texted me last night, I, like, Talking about the, how bad the end of the game was, just in general, and I was just pointing out that, like, yeah, he's been like not great the last minute and a half. But don't you figure it's harder to play that well in in crunch time when you're playing 39 minutes a night? I mean, he's sitting on the bench for 60 seconds a game tops, and I just wonder if that takes a toll on him eventually. I'm not getting, excusing him. I'm just like trying to get in his frame of mind because, like. Not only, like, you play all those minutes, you carry the load offensively, and then in the last minute and a half, you're the only one who probably needs to be taking a shot. To me, that would be most mentally and physically exhausting.
2: But,
1: you yeah, know, there, there are a couple of things that I would say. Number one, the first seven minutes of the second half, he did not have a shot attempt. He did not take a shot for the first seven minutes. Some of that, Missouri gets credit, they really locked him
3: down defensively. But if you're the best player on the floor, you gotta go get the ball. I agree. I don't, he's not perfect and not, no, I I, from criticism. Just the late game stuff, I I have a harder time putting it at fault. But I agree. And as much as people make about the late game think, they did let that Pinson kid go for 32.
1: He was, he was good. And he's gone for career highs and back to back games. Had 28 in their last outing, the, uh, the win that they had on Saturday against Auburn. And he goes for 32 last night. Nine of 13, four of four from behind the arc. But if you want to point to reasons why Ole Miss didn't win, Devontae Schuler, who's been playing really well, 0 for 7, 0 of 2, 1 of 2 at the free throw line.
3: Distributed the ball, okay, but when you're at all-SEC caliber guard, you can't just disappear on the floor for longest stretches. Like, he, he played ever, 31
1: minutes and had one point.
3: And you forget he's out there a lot of the times, which I don't think Ole Miss is designed for that to be the case. You can't watch that game in like, five minutes go by, but Shuler's out there. Blake
1: Henson has seven points. Antavian Column plays but does not score. Sammy Hunter had one bucket. Bryce Williams had one bucket. Austin Crowley played 13 minutes, did not
3: score. I thought C. and Buffin played pretty well for the most part. I would agree. C. had 14 points
1: and 7 rebounds last night. His last three weeks have
3: been... Truly since he above got, average since he got benched at or since he got not benched, uh, not taken to the Florida trip. But man, if they'd have had that kind of production from he and Buffett all year, they'd be in a lot better place right now. Honestly, these were two pretty comparable teams last night. It was like the like and as the kids are doing these days, the Spider Man Gif Jif deal. Like seemed like they were very similar. Very inconsistent. Both have a guy that's capable for popping off and I think they are both have Look, the same record going in. The,
1: the difference in Ole Miss being 13-13 and 13 and currently 11th in the SEC and being an NCAA tournament bubble team right now is this statistic. Simple. In games decided by five points or less, Ole Miss is 0-5 in SEC play and 1-6 and for the year. Ole Miss is one win all season long in a game decided by five points or less was the crazy come-from-behind victory against Penn State at Barclays back in November. 74-72 win. Every other game they've played in which there was a five-point or less margin, they've lost. Can't win close games. It's hard to get to the postseason. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi on this Wednesday afternoon. Glad to have you along for the ride. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippy, Michael Borky in the studio. Thanks for being with us. C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Uh, Ole Miss playing baseball this afternoon. First pitch, 4 o'clock. Rebels hosting Alcorn State. And I don't guess I have to say that if you're listening and some of our markets you are no longer listening uh obviously you've got baseball so uh, some of our stations left us uh, but for the remainder of you that are still with us uh, we're certainly glad to have you and just a reminder if you happen to be listening on one of the stations that uh, carries mississippi state baseball and the show leaves early or is not with you for the entirety then um Uh, You can always grab the Super Talk Live app and listen on the go. Listen on demand at Super Talk Live if you miss anything. And, of course, you can always get the podcast for this show, Sports Talk Mississippi, as well as Thunder and Lightning and uh, the Rebel Report. So what's going on, hey, Dad, right now with Thunder and Lightning?
0: A lot of good stuff. It's the best MSU podcast you can find. What are you talking about? Preview what's coming up tomorrow is what I was getting. Oh, to. well, tomorrow's show we'll have uh we'll obviously uh recap what happens tonight at the hump with Mississippi State and South Carolina. Must win game for the Bulldogs. Uh we're also uh into our I know one of Richard's favorite things. We're into some spring positional breakdowns. We'll be talking about running backs on the tomorrow show. Are you Kyle really? hill? Yeah. I mean, we're we're about that time.
1: So. Spring positional breakdowns. Breakdowns.
3: Oh,
0: yeah.
1: A lot to talk about.
3: All right. So, hey, Dad, what's happening on the running Rebels. back report? Hey, Dad, what is happening on Rebel? I'm sorry.
1: Report? Rippy, <laughs> what's happening in the Rebel report? Much old Miss fan trash. That's what's happening.
3: I thought about tomorrow. I, I, was, I texted Borky last night, con- contemplating getting Scary Gary on to uh, rehash the mm-hmm. NASCAR thing. I'd he was some- here earlier today. I know. He's cleaning out the the shed right yeah i well i was workshopping i worked up this idea a while back about getting here jt on and asking dumb nascar questions because we went to a commercial break yesterday I asked him how doing steroids would help in a nascar and it got kind of sidetracked into well if you were high you'd be driving slow if you're drunk you're driving fast which both of those are illegal in a nascar uh, and pretty much just any car so we might uh, might get that going for thursday or friday Okay. I'd actually like to figure out what NASCAR is. I don't – you talk about, like, that and cricket are two things I have zero idea about. Like, not even the basics. Like, I can figure out soccer. Like, you know, you act like you have a torn ACL every time your shoe comes untied. You try to kick it in the net. I got the basics, but I know nothing about either one of those sports. From an old Miss standpoint, we'll be talking baseball and basketball, though. There you go. Um, do you have specialists that you can bring on to talk cricket? No, I've I've although I bet I could find one, honestly. It couldn't be that hard. Just crowdsource it. Yeah. Or MSU has a big cricket club. I bet Ole Miss does too. I might have to look into that. That NASCAR and hockey might be my twenty twenty try to figure out what the nuances of the sport are. Mm. I'm gonna go one at a time though. I'm gonna get Gary to teach me NASCAR.
1: Okay. Um you mentioned JT a second ago. I intended to do this on Monday. It was late in the show when this was posted, and then yesterday just kind of got away from us. So JT's wife, Janet, has posted on Facebook uh, an update on JT's condition, and we've tried to kind of keep you up to date with what's going on with that. Uh, this was her post from a little after 5 o'clock on Monday. God is good. They removed him, JT, from the ventilator yesterday. We walked in having no idea this would happen, so we were surprised and happy. He's doing great. He is asking for water and food. They are taking it slow. He also says he wants to go home, but I expect it to be a little while before that can happen because he's still very weak. We're so very thankful for all of your prayers. I truly believe that is the only reason that he is still alive. Please continue to keep him in your prayers as we still have a long journey ahead of us. We are so proud of our fighter. I'm just going to be honest with you. Just completely honest with you, as I would be if JT were sitting here next to me. I did not think that I would be reading you that update two weeks ago. And I'm so glad that we can. JT still got a long, tough road in front of him. But to go from pulmonary embolism where he's got blood clots in his lungs and is sedated to the point of being in a medically induced coma basically to they have completely removed the ventilator and he's saying I'm hungry and I'm thirsty unbelievable progress for our man JT long way to go please continue to think of JT, to think of his family to offer up prayers on their behalf and just keep big man chugging and uh, we'll get him back behind a microphone before too terribly long and it'll be a happy day when we do certainly appreciate Dave Hughes and the job that he's doing filling in for JT uh, during uh, the time that JT's having to be away uh, from his show uh, that he's been hosting for over 20 years and uh really really proud and excited for his progress and again for being honest i don't think those of us that were you know at least reasonably close to the situation had um had an expectation that we would be this th- this far this fast so thankful for that all right hey dad a massive highlight, double-underline, all-caps, boldface type, massive game tonight for Mississippi State in Starkville against South Carolina. I don't think there's any other way to describe it.
0: No, you're not wrong. And really, the rest of the way for Mississippi State is going to be a lot of games we're going to term as must-win and massive and things of that nature. But... South Carolina is playing well right now. Um, You know they're going to be well-coached with Frank Martin. They won eight of their last ten. Yeah. I mean, they're making a push here to try to get in. And this is sort of the same thing that happened to them last year, as you remember. They were good in conference play up until the very end, but you know their non-conference sort of bit them in the butt. This time, I don't know what's going to happen with South Carolina, but I know if Mississippi State wants to go to the NCAA tournament, they need this win. They really, really need it.
1: And conversely... If South Carolina wants to get to the NCAA tournament, this is a quad one road opportunity. Yeah. This would be a big feather in the cap of Frank Martin's basketball team. If they could come on the road and get this one. They came on the road to Mississippi a couple of weeks ago, and it did not go well. Ole Miss played well in that game, and the Rebels got the win. Mississippi State trying to do the exact same thing tonight. And South Carolina, they've just been good. I mean, the, the, the marquee win, the signature win on their schedule is the home victory against Kentucky. But they've got um, they got a home win against Auburn. Or, no, not against Auburn. Um, against Tennessee last week. Mm-hmm. They've got a road win against Clemson. They've got a road win against Virginia, who is now, according to Joe Lenardi in the NCAA tournament field. They've got a pretty decent resume at this point.
4: Yeah,
0: and this would be another, like you said, a a big stamp for them to get if they could get it. But the same thing goes for Mississippi State. Absolutely. Uh, and, this is a, and state, you know, they play each other again, uh, and at the end, or something at like the beginning of March. So this is an opportunity for State to get a quad two win at home, and then turn around on the road, and everything. If the way it holds, could end up with a quad one win on the road if they could beat South Carolina and Columbia. So. You want to go ahead and get that first punch in here. And, you know, and, you know, I don't know what kind of crowd it's going to be with an eight o'clock tip, but, you know, whatever home court advantage state can have, they're, they're going to need that tonight because this is going, as Abdullah do said yesterday, it's, it's going to be a, a no blood, no foul kind of game.
1: Two teams that I think like to play physical. You know, South Carolina does. I think Mississippi State likes a physical basketball game. They can play a physical basketball game. They've got the, the
0: the guys for it, but there have been some times in the past few weeks where you've seen them get frustrated. Uh, you, you know, their body language has not been good with with some physical teams. Kentucky specifically, Ole Miss a little bit of that as well. Yeah. Um.
1: I wonder who the officiating crew is tonight. And for an and eight o'clock how, tip, as long as it's not Teddy Valentine, I should be okay. Well. I guess more than anything. I mean, it's less who it is, but my, my question in asking who it is is I wonder how they will let the game flow go. Will they allow the teams to play? Are they going to allow them to bump and grind a little bit? Or is it going
3: to be a ticky-tack foul night? Isn't the misconception with Teddy is aside from his like attention-seekingness on the scale of officials, he's still on the better end? Yes. Yes. He's a pretty good official. I'm not. I don't he know. doesn't get
1: it all right all the time. Nobody does. But he's a pretty good official. And generally speaking, antics and histrionics aside, does a pretty good job managing the game.
3: I don't know a bunch of the officials. That's just what I've gathered through all the TV Teddy jokes through the years. Hey, Dad, would you agree with that? No.
1: I think he's not Hey, a Dad, good name a good official.
0: I'm not Sports a I'm not official. We'll against be right back. I
1: Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. So we ran out of time. Hey, Dad, I was going to get you to name one official that you like, that you think good. I think Doug Shouse is an okay official. You can't even bring yourself to say he's good. I mean, he, he's okay. He might be the best official in all of college basketball. Well, there you go. And he's just okay. And I might be the skinniest hey, Dad,
0: but that doesn't mean I'm skinny. I think your grading system is too, too harsh. Well, what I want to say about, about Teddy Valentine is this. The man has a nickname. Officials don't tend to get nicknames because they're just great at their job. People dread seeing him come out on the court. He makes the game about himself, you know, with, with his antics.
1: That's why he's called TV Teddy. Yeah. I still think he's a pretty decent official. I'm not a fan. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) Clearly. There are three games tonight involving SEC teams. The biggest, the most interesting, the most important is the one that's happening in Starkville with South Carolina and Mississippi State. 8 o'clock tip, so late start. Texas A&M is at Alabama. Mm.
0: Alabama cannot afford a loss there.
1: Yeah, that feels like a pretty good opportunity to me for Alabama as well. I'm not sure those two styles match up very well. Yeah. Especially in Tuscaloosa. And number 13 Auburn is at Georgia. Auburn's got plenty of breathing room. I mean, they're they're in, probably regardless of what happens the rest of the way. I just don't know if Georgia can hang with them. Maybe they can. Standings right now look like this. Kentucky creating a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of separation. They are a game clear of Auburn at eleven and two, and they are now two games clear and currently have the tiebreaker over LSU, who is at nine and four. Kentucky won last night in Baton Rouge. Cats are twenty one and five overall. Auburn's 22 and 3. LSU is 18 and 8. Florida, good win earlier in the week at home against Arkansas. They are now 9 and 4 and putting themselves in better shape by the day. I mean, they're kind of bubbly still, but probably not really. There's not much doubt right now that if you pick the field of 68, Florida would be probably a 9 seed. Then it gets interesting. Those four are in Kentucky, Auburn, LSU, Florida. South Carolina trending in the right direction. Mississippi State kind of ebbing and flowing. Today, for the last four or five days, trending in the right direction. For the week and a half prior to that, trending in the wrong direction. We'll see. And that's what makes tonight so big. Tennessee's at seven and six, Alabama's at six and six. Tennessee's fifteen and eleven overall. Alabama's fourteen and eleven overall. You can draw a line right there because those are the only teams that have a shot, outside of winning the SEC tournament, of getting an at-large bid to the uh, to the Big Dance. You do have a bunch of teams kind of grouped together though. Tennessee at seven. Mississippi State seven and five. Tennessee seven and six. Alabama six and six. Texas A&M six and 6 and 6 How Texas A&M has won six conference games is a huge credit to Buzz Williams. They got no business being at 500 in league play. But they are. Missouri at 5-8, and eight, Arkansas at 4-9, and nine, and losers of five in a row. They're done. They're done. Although, they're a different team with Isaiah Joe. Yeah. And, what, I mean... Well, they could be the left. team
0: that they could be the team that you talk about if he could come back for the tournament that could be dangerous there but
1: right now no. yeah I don't think they've got the depth to win the tournament though because they're only even with Isaiah Joe they're really only playing seven guys that's true um you know they are the team though that let's say they win four out of their last five get to eight and ten in the league win two in the tournament, you might kind of start looking at their numbers and then going, well, how much is the NCAA going to look at their best or second-best player being out for a month? They might get the benefit of the doubt in that conversation. I'm afraid they've dug too deep a hole. Ole Miss 4-9, Georgia 2-10, and Vanderbilt 1-12. and So if it started right now on Wednesday night, you'd have Arkansas against Vanderbilt. And Ole Miss against Georgia. And really, that's kind of what you're playing at this point to avoid is playing on Wednesday night. Getting to the point where you've only got to win four and four days, not five and five days. Was it Auburn a year ago or a couple of years ago that made a run to Saturday after playing on Wednesday night? Am I remembering that correctly?
2: That's right. Yeah.
1: One hour in the book, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Got a whole bunch more coming up. Sit tight. Just after 4 o'clock with you, Wednesday afternoon, Richard Cross, Michael Bork, and Brian at Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming online at supertalk.fm, C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. If you would like to jump in and be a part of the conversation, we'd love to have you. C Spire reminds you that Mississippi's future cannot wait. From our kids to our economy, everything's on the line when it comes to computer science education in our schools. That's why C Spire is working with state leaders on a bill that will call for every school in Mississippi to teach computer science. Join C Spire in the fight by texting FUTURE to 50457 or visit MSFuture.com. The time is now, Mississippi. Thanks for being along for the ride with us this afternoon. Ole Miss and Alcorn State just underway in baseball. Greer Holston is starting on the mound. Pitched one inning last year. And uh is back for Ole Miss and um
3: What does Ole Miss need to get out of Guerrero Holston this year? Solid midweek starter? I think he'll end up being a bullpen piece on the weekend if all goes well, but they just need him to be a contributor. They missed he and Jordan Fowler's contributions last year. Like you said, pitch one inning. I remember I was sitting next to Haydad at that game and trust my I was about heart.
0: to ask, wasn't that at the uh, the governor's cup? I remember that.
3: Yeah, because he came out of the bullpen, and he, we had talked about it recently on radio or something, and hey Dad was like, I thought you told me he had the yips. I was like, he does. I don't know what's about to happen here. Uh, but, yeah, that was the only time he pitched last year. He was he seemed to be, quote-unquote, kind of like fixed at, at the end of last year. They just I thought they would save him as far as a red shirt, but then he pitches the one random inning. But, anyway, he looked okay in a third of an inning against Louisville over the weekend through 90-something. Everything looked normal. So they just need him to contribute in whatever way possible.
1: Yeah, and big loss in velocity a year ago. And I think maybe it made some changes mechanically and didn't work out the way they had hoped and kind of said, you know what, go back to what you did all through high school
3: and first part of your college career. I think so. No word on whether if he did the Rube Baker uh, Major League Two Playboy deal, get it back to the pitcher. (laughs) Continue your quote. What it, I forget what it is. Uh, he reads the articles, right? Hey, Dad. Yes. Come on, hey, Dad. There's no one quote no, with that one. He just yeah, but
1: it's like a yeah. long, drawn out thing. It's like,
0: see you now he's talking about like, was it like you know has a lacy finish? I don't know.
3: Well, he's like you read Playboy, and he's like, yeah, I read the articles. The guy's like, yeah, sure you do. It's like, no, I really do.
1: The XFL's ratings. Big topic of conversation after week one, as we expected would be the case. They went down in week two, a pretty significant drop-off. But, and Vorky, I think it's a big but, the numbers that uh, have been published for the games that were on ABC, Fox, and ESPN, and FS1 last week, pretty strong still, and something that I would think the networks would be pleased with.
2: Yeah, and uh, I found the quote, by the way. It's, Rube, you look at Playboy a lot, don't you? I don't just look at it, I read the articles. Sure you do. I do. I especially like it when they mention the girls' interests. Like, Betsy loves surfing. (laughs) Well done. Uh, But yeah, no, it's it's a really good sign, because the AAF's drop from Week 1 to Week 2 was, I mean, basically off a cliff. Uh, Just a catastrophic decline from Week 1 to Week 2. We're talking like 35 Four million people to under a million, it just a complete fall off, and the XFL didn't do that and it's you're always going to get a massive bump when a novelty thing happens. I mean like the opening first two days of the Olympics are always going to be better than the last two days because the novelty's kind of worn off. but if they can remain solidly, which is what they were last week at two million or above. I mean that is better than anything else you could air in sports right now, save for a handful of NBA games this time of year. Like this is that that's a really good strong number, and that's the only thing that will matter if if you're talking about this league sticking around is if that number can stay right around there. Well, the other piece,
1: I, the investment piece from Vince McMahon, the fact that the league is funded for three years gives it the opportunity to become routine. So the first-year numbers matter. Week one numbers mattered. The numbers kind of stabilizing matter. But isn't this more about let's put a good product on the field, get some good press, which they've gotten, people seem to be enjoying it, and then have a normal off season and come back and do it again next year and have maybe a little bit of a bump in the ratings, but again, stable audiences, and then be able to come back and do it again. And if you do that, maybe then you kind of
2: get to the point where you've got a little staying power. Is there something to that? I think so. I think it's especially important that they got into big markets. I mean, I loved the idea that the AAF gave Birmingham a football, I mean, just if you look at, ratings for any football game. Birmingham always does well. They love it, but it's still not a big place. And so they put teams where you're going to just have more people that would watch the games and and keep it above board. I've seen the biggest criticism of the league is not good enough quarterback play. And do these people not watch the NFL on Sunday? Because there's not good quarterback play in the NFL. So if that's like your knock against the XFL is, oh, well, the quarterbacks aren't that good. When you had a game between Andy Dalton and Ryan Fitzpatrick in the NFL, uh, what are you complaining about?
0: There was a guy who threw 30 interceptions in the NFL this year. Yeah. What, are we, what are we talking about here? I think another reason they're they're a little more successful this run and is that if you didn't know Vince McMahon was the owner, you wouldn't know Vince McMahon is the owner. Remember the last time they did this? He he was out in front of all this and they had, you know, the the cheerleaders who were, you know, a little risque. And they had, you know, Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler, who I love, you know, but they were doing football games. And this time it it feels like a real professional football league. And Vince McMahon is just the owner of it and he's just the money guy.
1: I think you're onto something there. St. Louis, home of the Battle Hawks is fired up about the XFL. They are without an NFL franchise. That was a, a a city that supported the Rams. It just wasn't a lucrative market to have an NFL team in comparison to moving the Rams
3: to Southern California. But is it? Because you're having all kinds of issues with the attendance there, more so to the to the Chargers. Yeah, but got that, the that market disaster. still... Yeah, I got that, but everyone in L.A. is a Raiders fan. But like, I think this whole thing with the Battlehawks, as you know, is a stick-it-to-stand cronky type of thing. I don't it, think L.A. St. Louis wasn't viable, which I think is part of the reason why they were so mad. I mean, he's getting sued by him right now, if, if I'm not mistaken. The city of St. Louis is suing the Rams. And they weren't Kronke good the
2: last few years there either. I mean, they supported a really bad product and still lost it.
3: Very average product. Jeff Fisher Day, eight and eight. <laughs> but
2: I mean, L.A. That, that's how well, it's always going to be. Like they put the XFL put a team in L.A. and they're playing in the same the same stadium that the Chargers couldn't fill up. So naturally, like you see these crowd shots and they're oh, why did uh, the the XFL put a team here when the Chargers couldn't fill it up? Exclusively because of the size of Los Angeles and the amount of people. Like if one percent of Los Angeles watches the XFL and 10% or 20% of New Orleans watched it, there's more people in Los Angeles. That's why they're there.
1: Yes, that's true. I did see somebody say, hey, pregame shot of L.A. in the crowd, Ugh. looks like what a Chargers game would look like if visiting fans didn't fill up the stadium. The St. Louis piece, they've sold out their home opener. Now, where's are they, the, the caveat, Comes up, comes with a caveat. Upper decks are closed off. A sellout is constituted by 28,000 fans. So it's not a sellout like when the Rams were there and it was the greatest show on turf and there were probably what 54,000, 55,000. I don't know what the capacity was when it was the Edward Jones dome,
2: but all 66 9. Nice 56 9. 66 9.
1: 66.9. nine. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's obviously a lot smaller than that, but the way they've got the stadium configured, they're sold all the seats. And if they need to grow it, they can probably lift some curtains, put out some folding chairs, <laughs> whatever it is you need to do, they'll accommodate more fans. So they're selling, expecting north of twenty-eight thousand for the uh, the St. Louis game. To your point a second ago about L.A. Borky. The game that was most watched over the weekend was the game that was played in LA, Dallas and LA. Almost two point four million for that game.
3: That's a really that was also strong the first sun, Sunday slot. It
1: was the early slot? Of, wasn't it the afternoon slot? It was that like the early
3: game? The I thought the St. Louis game was the afternoon one.
1: It was like the Dallas LA was the. Two o'clock central time okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was so Houston was St. Louis
3: slot. was the the
0: late
1: game. Yeah. There you go. Uh Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online, Supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Hayda, Brian Scott Ripping. We'll be right back. Same with you on Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for being with us. How about the story today out of the greater Daytona area? Ryan Newman has been released from Halifax Medical Center in Daytona Beach, Florida, two days after his frightening crash on the final lap of the Daytona 500. Roush Fenway Racing said earlier today that the 42-year-old driver had been released Hours after tweeting that Newman quote, continues to show great improvement, close quote, and saying that true to his jovial nature he's been joking around with staff, friends and family while playing with his two daughters. The racing team included a photo of Newman exiting the hospital. By the way, he had no shoes on. (laughs) Which, if he didn't have any shoes at the hospital, uh, holding hands with his two children. I mean, this almost feels like Raised from the Dead. I'm not being yeah. trite when I say that. No, man, no, you're not, you're not no, at no, all. I get it.
0: No, no, Everybody who watched that had that thought that that he's not coming out of that car. And now he's walking out of the hospital. So, yeah.
2: When they pulled that black curtain thing up and then Fox just cut away from it completely, that I said on Monday, I thought they were pulling a, a body out of the car. And not a person anymore. And it just goes to show, I mean, he mentioned it himself. We brought this up on Monday, too, that, I mean, years ago, after uh, the the Dale Earnhardt tragedy, he was interviewed and asked about the safety regulations and, and said, I feel so much safer in the car now than I did before. And those safety regulations probably saved his life.
1: I agree with you. Saw somebody say today, whatever engineer was behind the construction of that particular safety setup, I'll attach a picture of the car and a link to a story on every RFP proposal, you know, bid that they ever put in again.
4: <laughs> so we That's do good, good work.
1: <laughs> um, I just. You know, it's remarkable. That picture gets you in the feels a little bit, too, where you see him holding hands with his two daughters. Yeah. You can get a couple of daughters, hey, Dad? You can relate to that. I sure can. I'm right there with you. I'm fascinated that no details on the injuries have really been released.
0: Yeah. Is
1: it concussion? Concussion? Got some broken ribs, just banged up and bruised up and scratched up and cut up. I, I don't know. Be at least
0: a concussion in there somewhere.
1: There's just no way. You know, there are there some burns? Possibly. Yeah. Here's a question for you as well. Are right, you get big time injured in a football game? Football players, big tough guys. What do they do? They go through rehab? get back on the field. When you go through what Ryan Newman went through on Monday night, can you get back in the car?
3: Yes.
0: Yep. Especially when you think about it in terms of I mean, can you even get in your own car? Just just to drive home, just to drive to the grocery store. You know, there's got to be a little a little bit of PTSD in there.
3: I think he gets back in it, no problem. It's kind of what these guys do. Like, I get it It was really right. bad wreck, but I didn't know enough about NASCAR, and they seem to have bad wrecks often, like, as to whether the actual severity of it, and I think the safety measures prove that it's not 100% bulletproof, but pretty safe.
2: It, yeah, It reminded me, when you asked that question of uh, that girl, uh, that uh, the, the surfer, uh, that got attacked by a shark and got her arm bitten off. Guess what she still does to this day? Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. surfs. She surfs.
3: Because from, uh, like, the Earnhardt thing, from what I read, like, and I went back and watched the other night, the Earnhardt wreck wasn't that bad. It was just the, uh, they've since added that part that attaches your neck to the seat or whatever that they didn't have back then, and that's kind of what did him in. Yes. Like, the wreck itself, he hit the wall, but it wasn't that violent of a wreck, at least on appearance alone. And it was fairly shocking when the guy delivered the news. From what I understand.
1: But you can understand the trepidation of getting back in the car. I mean, I, I tend to agree with you that this is a deal where you go, it's what he does, man. He races. He's a race car driver. Inherent in being a race car driver is the possibility that you get in a really bad wreck. The possibility exists that you lose your life. You take those risks. I, I guess my my kind of the genesis of the question is, After you've been doing it for 19 years and you made plenty of money and you feel like maybe you just cheated death and you look down at those two little girls whose hand you're holding as you leave the hospital, who are your world, do you maybe go, "Ah, that's probably enough. I'm good. Just seems like it'd be really, really tempting to do that. It's not like we're talking about a rookie driver who's just gotten his break and is hoping to make it. This guy's been at it for two decades. And you've seen drivers step away. Jeff Gordon has step, stepped away. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has said, I'm good. Is a net worth of 50 mil. Who? Ryan Newman?
3: Yes. I, I'm it's probably it enough
1: night. to be able to walk away.
3: Pretty sweet nickname, The Rocket. Probably doesn't have a steroid attached to it. <laughs> um,
1: I don't know. I certainly would understand. Like, absolutely would understand. If he said, I'm good. He won the Winston Cup back in 2002. Former Rookie of the Year. Two thousand three driver of the year has won the Daytona five hundred, has won the Brickyard five hundred. I mean, he doesn't have as decorated a career as Dale Junior did, or
3: as Jeff Gordon did. It's Kurt Busch. If it were strictly a financial thing, though, he would have already walked away by now. Just what he's been doing since he was like like probably teens. Yeah. I got a question: How do those dudes that don't have a driver's license yet race? It's track racing, it's
1: not out on the roads racing.
3: Seems like more need for a license. (laughs) You you, you could argue. I'm going to save that one for Scary Gary. Tune into the podcast Friday. So, 42
1: years old. Are we seeing this more in football? You have a really rough injury and you walk away? I feel like it's more like cumulative. Like you have a series yeah. of injuries, you get to the end of a year and you say, "I'm done," as opposed to in the middle of the season going. Did, you know what? Did Patrick no, Willis
0: ever have a a just a nightmare injury? Just it just sort of piled up on him. And he decided to walk away. Same, you know, Luke Keekley I mean, he's had a lot of
2: injuries, but he's never had one where you're just like, "Oh man, that's that's tough." Couple concussions. I wonder if. The money's just so much greater now than it was, I mean, even 10 years ago, right? So do you think that the increased financial stability in sports, I mean, it's become so lucrative that it makes the decision easier? Like, let's pretend Luke Keekley was only making a fourth of what he is now. Do you think he's more apt to stick around and earn while he's at his highest earning potential? But now, I mean, he's made millions to play linebacker, and so he's got... A bunch of money in the bank, and so why would you not go try something else if you have another passion or you just want to preserve your body? You've got all the money in the world now.
3: You could take the opposite approach and go Greg Hardy and just start UFC fighting. <laughs> well,
2: that's probably also a financial thing.
3: Probably to some degree. I think Hardy really just... Him. I think Hardy like likes UFC fighting. I don't know if it's... It's a violent guy.
1: Yeah, slippery slope. He, he was a little limited on career options after some of the choices that he made. While he was. He I'm sure player. that was a
3: lot of it as well. Probably okay. most of it, honestly. I bet he was, with good reason, probably unsignable. What, what am I going to do now? Done. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. See, and then people will cite like the lack of participation in youth football as like so, uh, some indicator of the future of the sport. I think it's almost and you guys may disagree with this, it's good that there are some kids that are not playing football because I I remember when I was growing up, even in high school, there were guys that were trying to play high school football that had no business wearing a helmet and being on a football field and going through that practice. They just didn't belong there. So a lack of participation shortage or shrinkage, if you will, may not be the worst thing considering some people just didn't need to subject themselves to that sport when they had no business being out there. On the
1: heels of winning two out of three against number 1 Louisville, Ole Miss finds themselves in a hole early, giving up four runs in the top of the first to Alcorn State. Greer Holston did not record an out. They went to Taylor Broadway. He got out of the inning, and now Ole Miss got to dig themselves out of a hole, trailing four to nothing, coming to the plate in the bottom of the first. Sports Talk Mississippi will take a quick timeout, be back with you on this Wednesday. (laughs) Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. All guests on Sports Talk appear on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We um, are kind of bouncing in. Not a lot of football right now, right? I mean, you got spring football about to start. Hey Dad, when does Mississippi State spring practice start?
0: They haven't given us a, a hard and fast date on that one yet I think it's gonna be uh, the, like in the first week of March and you know, the spring game is obviously on the 11th and I was also told that spring practice will go past the spring game
1: okay so they'll do some practice and then take spring break and then come back and do some practice and then play the spring game and then finish practice
0: basically yeah
1: okay. Uh, Ole Miss has taken a different approach with that this year. They're going to wait until after spring break to start practice. Lane Kiffin and his staff wanted to go straight through. So after they get back from spring break, they'll start spring practice, and it's basically every other day. I I think they're going Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. I think that's the way that it's set up to go. Uh, And then it will finish out with the spring uh, spring game. Um, The uh, the the under-the-lights-at-the-vault deal is what they are doing this year. Had a chance to uh, sit down and visit with Lane Kiffin earlier today, and we'll play it for you in a couple of parts. Uh, I will tell you, if you've heard Lane Kiffin talk, you you know this by now. You got the initial press conference where there was a lot of pomp and circumstance. He's pretty low-key guy, and I think you'll hear that in this conversation that we had earlier today with the new Ole Miss head football coach. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm and joined for the first time now by new Ole Miss head football coach Lane Kiffin. Coach, I, I know you've done a bunch of these interviews. I, I don't know if I'll be able to ask anything that you haven't been asked a hundred times at this point, but uh, we'll give it a shot. How are things going at this point? Now, what six, eight weeks in?
5: Uh, they're going well. Um, you know, got our staff done. I'm trying to get everything else around the building done, and you know, our players are now into their second week of you know off-season workouts <clears throat> with us. So, I'm in spring ball in a few weeks.
1: How difficult is it to assemble the staff that you want to assemble, given all the moving parts, and you got guys that are, you know, looking at multiple different jobs to to kind of get it exactly the way you want it?
5: Well, at this level, especially nowadays, um, you know, it it is difficult, your staff, but besides your coaching staff, you know, there's so many people to hire nowadays because recruiting, uh, you know, you got so many people in that area and different areas, you know, around the building that – Much different than it used to be, and much different than coming from a smaller school.
1: How many different places did you live growing up? I know you finished high school in in Minnesota, but kind of being the son of a coach and all that goes along with that, how many different spots were you in?
5: Oh, I don't know. I I I did stop counting at like seventeen or something. So
1: seventeen.
5: I don't know. Nebraska, Arkansas, North Carolina, Green Bay, Buffalo, Minnesota, um, New York Jets. Back to and I went to California and then I started college at that point <laughs> um,
1: what, what was there a favorite spot for you along the way?
5: I really enjoyed Minnesota I know that probably sounds strange from weather perspective but and also I went to there you know for most of my high school so a lot of people there they met a lot of really good people.
1: So you're what six years older than Chris your, your younger brother is that right Yep so, so what kind of a big brother were you growing up? were you hard on him or uh, were you a good big brother?
5: Uh, I think we were probably a little tough on him <laughs> he was the baby in the family and um, so uh, we probably weren't great to him
1: everybody knows your dad everybody knows you tons of people know Chris now but what about behind the scenes Tell me about your mom
5: um, well if you call her she'll tell you she'll, she'll be all day on the phone with you
1: <laughs> the, the, was she kind of the rock for the family?
5: yeah we let her we had her stop doing interviews actually at one point. <laughs> uh she brought a little too much information on interviews. But, you know, she did a good job. And, and anytime you're a coach's wife, the coach is obviously gone a lot, um, especially back then, uh, early on when he was in college, for sure.
1: At, at what point did you know that coaching was going to be your path?
5: I think I kind of always did, probably from, like, ninth grade. Um, high school, called my own plays, and um, she was always enamored watching games and watching coaching decisions and how that can impact games based off of, you know, just the coach making the decision on one play.
1: So, so were you looking, when you were playing high school football and even when you were in college at Fresno State, were you looking at it differently than maybe a lot of other guys do just because of kind of knowing where you wanted to ultimately end up?
5: I was. I think that, you know, growing up, kids would watch the players. Like I would, you know, great players and all this stuff. I kind of watched the coaches and, um, at the same time. Watch how they manage the game, decisions that the decisions that they would make during the game.
1: What what went into giving up your senior year as a player to be student assistant and, and work under Jeff Tedford at that time?
5: Well, first off, David Carr came in as a true freshman, so uh, I moved from second to third really fast, um, and I was just always hanging around the office. And the Coach actually brought it up and said, "You know, hey, you know." You're here all the time. Why don't you just start helping us out? You know, basically like a GA.
1: Lane Kiffin visiting with us, Sports Talk Mississippi. So I've heard you talk about your admiration for both Pete Carroll and and Nick Saban. Outside looking in, those are two very different guys. Are there more similarities though than than we might think at the kind of surface level?
5: No. <laughs> okay. Um, no, they. The only thing I've said that they do have for sure is they have a boss and even though it's extremely different uh, they have it nailed and, and it took them time you we've know. talked about that take time you know to come up with your own philosophy and not just do what people that you coached with when you were younger or late or um, you know and you make mistakes along the way you know I'm sure coach would tell you coach shaver tell you today hey, he's a lot better I think this is, this is what six fifth or sixth head job you know than he was you know at the beginning uh, and, and coach carroll one two three. You know, this is just more
2: than me. Yeah.
1: Is is their drive to win comparable?
5: Yeah, they're competitive. And that's extremely, extremely competitive every day. Yeah.
1: All right. So you talk about kind of developing your philosophy. Everybody's got a label for their offense, right? Whether it's spread or air raid or pro style or West Coast. So how do you kind of describe what it is that you're trying to accomplish offensively at this point in your career?
5: Uh, I just think that. <clears throat> I think that. We do a good job of, you know, tinkering our system to our players. You know, we don't just run a system and no matter what. And, you know, we've changed. And You may watch us year to year, and we look extremely different, usually based off the quarterback. We've had in our sixth season, you know, between Alabama and FAU, you know, we had a different starting quarterback five of the six years. And outside of the one year, the first year, um, uh, two years ago, Won five conference championships with five different quarterbacks so i think a lot of that was just around to fit them
1: do, do you like the challenge of trying to kind of figure out what your quarterback does well and what gives you a chance to succeed or would it be nice just to you know i've got a guy and he's going to be my guy for three years
5: no it's it's a lot better <laughs> um we just for whatever reason it had been like that guys you know had been had been seniors you know the two years to alabama so they were gone then Finally, we had Jalen as a freshman, but then that was our last year there. You know, and then we had Driscoll that ended up not playing his last year, and then Chris Rovis in the last two years. So it was refreshing actually to have Chris back, and I think you could see the difference two years ago and last year because of that.
1: I guess the Heisman Trophy winner might be the easy answer, but I'm curious if there's a different answer. Best quarterback that you've coached?
5: Well, I would say being involved with be back big Carson Palmer, you know first pick in the draft, Heisman winner at USC, and um, I was of receivers, but um, you know he he was unbelievable, and the talent was unbelievable, and you know he could see why he played long, you know, and that though.
1: How do you go about deciding who your guy is this year at the quarterback position, which you know some would argue is the most important position or the most difficult position in all of sports? What, what do you need to see as you go through spring practice to identify who your guy is?
5: Um, well, it might be tough, you know, with John being in baseball, so um, you know we'll just have to do, you know, with the information that we have. And, you know, who knows? You know, these things will go on, you know, all the way to the opener and then go into the season sometimes too.
1: Have you had a scenario before where you've had a two sport guy?
5: Uh, I don't think so as a quarterback. Uh, yeah, yeah, we had some uh, you know, at USC. I think we had two at different. Matt Castle actually did it. Um, but not not at this magnitude where it's your first year coming in and he doesn't know your system yet, knows what to do.
1: Obviously, with John Rice Plumlee, people that watched him a year ago know that he's got great ability with his legs and at times threw it well. But needs to continue to to develop as a passer. How do you go about teaching that, or coaching that, or going through that development process?
5: Well, it's like any any position, anything. You know, you got to coach the parts of it, see how he's doing, it, and get him better at certain things. And, um, you know, I think what I've seen that, you know, uh, he has plenty of ability to throw the ball. We you know people bring that up. Um, you know, so we just got to get him better all around.
1: Hey, Lane, tell me about your mom. Ah, call her. Talk to her about it. <laughs> it's a classic answer there. Sports Talk Mississippi. We've got a little bit more with Lane Kiffin coming up after the break. We'll take a timeout and be right back with you. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Let's jump right back in and finish our conversation with Ole Miss head football coach Lane Kiffin. In terms of, of work life balance, you know, people look at head football coaches and go, they make a lot of money and the expectations are sky high. So, how do you avoid burnout? How do you get to be a regular guy part of the time and also still be the head football coach of an SEC program?
5: Um, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I think part of that's where you, know, where you live. Um, I think when you take a job in that do you realize, okay, that's going to be different than whether you're in LA or you know, South Florida, you know, where um, you know the fan base isn't so large. And, you know, any, anytime you're in a passionate area like Tennessee, Alabama, Ole Miss, you know, everywhere you go, everything you do, everybody's going to know who you are. So um, that kind of restricts, you know, I mean, they say, just you know, being normal. But that goes with
1: so, Nick Saban famously a grinder during the regular season, but also steps away at some point during the offseason and kind of goes to the lake. It, d- does he ever disconnect at all?
5: I don't think so. And I think that's part of what makes him so great. Um, you know, he's—I mean, even if he is at the lake, he's got a—you know—he's got a list of five guys, five recruits he's calling every night, you know, and talking to. and So, um, you know, he takes his computer with him, watches film every day, so. That's part of why he's so great
1: so i i think if i remember right right before you were hired before you got on the plane to come to oxford you talked about the last thing you had to do was cover up the boat in uh, in boca before you could hit the road what's the leisure activity going to be when you are trying to get away in this job is it go to south florida to get away
5: uh i think so probably um you know that's probably the um you know idea i guess probably keep the house down there um you know, so I have the ability to do that you know, a few times as you can.
1: Is it being on the water that you like, or is it actually fishing?
5: It's both. Sometimes it's just you, know, you don't have time to, you know, for the fishing thing. So you may take the boat for 10, 15 minutes you know, just just being out. Yeah. Th-
1: this legislation that seems to be picking up steam to have one-year uh, or one-time transfers in all of college sports, you've got that in some of the sports, but obviously not in football at this point, where you don't have to sit out a year. Is this a good thing that it looks like we're headed for? Is it a bad thing? Do you see unintended consequences?
5: I don't know. I mean, it's great for it's great for the for the student athlete to have that ability. You know, just like the basketball coach is doing. So um, I, I do wish they had that, but you've gotta you've got to find a way to you know get numbers back, or else you're just gonna have. You're going to have a lot of number issues with teams being under 85, which is not for the player safety. Everything about the benefit of, it. or for player safety, which is you know having four games to play and still be able to redshirt, you know. Um, and then if all of a sudden teams are losing guys and don't don't get numbers back to replace them, now you're going to have teams playing with 70, 75 guys.
1: Does that go into the philosophy that you've talked about with regard to it being more like the NFL in terms of managing your roster?
5: Yes, it is very much like that. Um, That would make it even more at that point because now you you truly have free agency.
1: Is there a scenario where maybe you've got a little bit of an advantage in in that, in that you have coached in the NFL and you have had to go through the roster management issues?
5: I don't know. It's not as complicated to figure out in college because you don't have the cap happen to figure out where you put your money and how much you pay the players and stuff. So not quite as complicated.
1: Have you got a good Ed Ogeron story? I, I know you guys have a relationship and have worked together some in the past. You were nearly with him at LSU. Is, is there one that stands out?
5: I was just sitting next to him in the league meeting with the coaches, and they're going over a bunch of rule changes, all these things, doctors speaking, all these. And he just, and I'm sitting next to him and he goes, just win, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's That's pretty on brand, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, what's that setup like where you've got all 14 coaches at the league office the commissioner there there's no media there're no outside people it's just the 14 of you
5: um, It's interesting um, I thought it was actually pretty friendly maybe from what I recall being I mean last time you know with the group you know 12 years ago uh, you know it was, you know some newer guys in there and so I thought it was actually a little bit more friendly than
1: and I remember. Last thing for you, you uh, you have been in LA, you've been in South Florida, a bunch of different places. Football coaches meet lots of cool people. Where does uh, where does Morgan Freeman rank on the list of celebrities that you kind of spent some time with?
5: That was cool. He's awesome, and uh, you know, just love him in movies, and uh, he's awesome in person too.
1: That, that voice is real, isn't it?
5: it sure is. Yeah, yeah, you could have your eyes closed, you know who it was.
1: Absolutely. Lane, really appreciate your time. Look forward to visiting with you and uh, wish you all the best.
5: All right, guys. Have a great week.
1: That was Lane Kiffin earlier today on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. I apologize for, at times, the connection not being super clear. I did the best we could, though, with with what we had to work with. So um, anything jump out to you, Borky?
2: The friendly coaches thing. I want to know what it was like 12 years ago. Maybe when we catch up with him in Atlanta, uh, we can remember to ask him that question.
1: Yeah, my bad. That that's a follow up that I should have should not have missed on.
2: I would like to know what that was like. What do you mean yeah. it wasn't friendly 12 years ago? Yeah. Well, who hated he didn't who? E-
1: he didn't exactly make a bunch of friends coming into the league. <laughs> well, yeah, he he took some shots right out of the gate uh, 12 years ago. 5 o'clock hour coming up, college football fix, Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. ceasefire text line open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Rippy Slipped Out for baseball for the rest of the afternoon. Alcorn State leading Ole Miss 4-2, top of the third inning at uh, Swayze Field, and the Rebels just turned to double play. So uh, now base is empty. Everything's moving in the right direction for Ole Miss after giving up four runs in the top of the first. Obviously not a very good start to uh, that ball game. <laughs> hey, Dad, um, you heard the Lane Kiffin interview a, a second ago. What did you think? Mm-hmm. Anything stand out? He's a lot more stoic than I thought he would be.
0: Like Pretty subdued, wasn't he, was, he? Yeah, I thought he was more, you know, let it rip kind of guy. His Twitter personality does not match what you hear from him when you when you talk to him like that. Yeah, he seems I to wonder...
2: hate media. Not like hate media people, but hate doing it. He
1: just hates Richard, let's just be honest. Well, that might be true. Although he sounds pretty similar to that in
2: most of the interviews that he does. Um, I told you guys at the beginning, he's not going to be a press conference like electric press conference radio guy. That's just not who no, he's ever been.
1: No, no, not at all. Um, I I think he understands that the media piece is a part of the job, and so he does it, and you know, does what he's asked to do, and is kind enough to you know give us some time. Uh, but I don't think that's his favorite thing to do. And I, I <laughs> it wouldn't be mine either yeah I mean, I guess you've really got to pique his interest to to get him i don't know I mean I don't know if you really pique his interest with something if he perks up and and I think maybe that's just his demeanor um I thought that maybe the question about his mom, you know tell me a little bit about her might kind of get him going a little bit and not really um. I think he's got a genuine love for being on the water on a boat.
2: I think I would too if I got to spend that much time on it. <laughs>
0: yeah. I thought he the, the like the the most I thought he was inter- interested in what you said when when y'all were talking about roster management, and he, he sort of yeah that you know he, you made the point like does this coincide with what you've said in the past? And I, I guess that, maybe he took that as oh wow somebody was listening to me, yeah. <laughs> and, and he sort of went from there.
1: Well and. You know, when he talked about the one-time transfer thing, you know, you could tell that he realizes that's going to be a challenge, but at the same time, um, that that's what's best for student athlete. And I think it's yeah. refreshing to hear people just very openly say, "Look, this is what's best for the kids." So whether we like it or not, it's what we need to be doing. Something to do with that. Um, I, I was. I was intrigued by his answer when he talked about um kind of the the evolution of his offense. When I mentioned, you know, every offense has got a buzz phrase, you know, it's it's West Coast, it's spread, it's air raid, it's you know, triple option, whatever it is. What what is it you're trying to do offensively? You know, does it does it fit into a box? And he basically said we just tailored around to what it, whatever players we've got. And I think it takes kind of a unique offensive mind to be able to do that and do it successfully. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's not to say that Mike Leach, just for an example, couldn't tailor his offense to the personnel he's got, but that's not how Mike Leach does it. Mike Leach's offense is his offense. Period. He believes in that offense. He's going to recruit to it. And until he recruits to it, he's just going to run it with who he's got and do the best he can. If you got a quarterback that runs it really well, sounds like they're going to run it with quarterback. If you got a pocket passer, they're going to drop back and I, I don't know. It'll be fascinating to see. Um, time right now for the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to BuyFordNow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. This is Truck Month. You can save money on the Ranger, on the F-150, the best-selling truck in America for the last 43 years. And uh, also on Super Duty. Visit your local Mississippi Ford dealer and test drive one today. So, for the College Football Fix... Morky, this is kind of heavy, but it's a real thing. Do you remember? Do you remember? Um, Sorry, <laughs> I digress. I didn't even get a chuckle but... from you guys. Come on, wake it's up! Kind of heavy.
0: We're gonna, we're gonna. Well, we're yeah.
2: See, it was the. Uh, this is a heavy story, knowing what the story is, and then. You're trying to drop a Earth, Wind & Fire reference on me. Sorry.
1: Good song. Um, Georgia, former Georgia tight end, Luke Ford. I have to kind of think back to try and make that name ring a bell. Um, Freshman season at Georgia, decided he wanted to transfer to his home state of Illinois, in part because of his grandfather's failing health. The NCAA did not rule him immediately eligible. Sure, bud. You can transfer. Gonna have to sit out. Yeah, but I've got a legitimate reason for wanting to transfer home. It's not because I hate Athens. It's not because I don't want to play for Kirby. My, My grandfather's sick. I'm really close to him. I'd like to be in a spot where he could actually travel and see some of my games. Sorry, you don't have Tom Mars representing you. Screw off. I mean, kind of seems to be the way they've approached it. Tom Mars represents you? Yes, sir. Eligible right away. No Tom Mars? <laughs> What's this guy think he's going to do? Ford was seeking immediate eligibility for the Illini, but the NCAA did not grant him the waiver. Last night, Luke Ford tweeted that uh, this: "Quote, my grandpa just passed on to be a better to a better place in heaven. Love you, Papa. Sorry you didn't get to see me play in person. My heart is devastated. Rest in paradise." Last year, his Illinois and former Georgia teammates, how about that? His teammates at Georgia. And his new teammates at Illinois got a hashtag free Luke Ford trending on Twitter. Alas, he still had to sit for a year. And the NCAA and Mark Emmert get another black eye, senselessly.
2: Nice multi-million dollar salary, though.
1: What are we? What are they? What are they doing? The evidence submitted to the NCAA on his behalf is confidential. But Ford, who is a Carterville, Illinois native, cited the declining health of his grandfather as a motivating factor to transfer closer to home. Nope, not good enough, son. Now, if there had been another quarterback that transferred in from another, uh, you know, one if you were a quarterback, that would matter more. And if there had been another highly sought after quarterback that transferred in that was probably going to win the job, and your former head coach had been covering up, uh, you know, a scandal where he's got an assistant coach engaged in domestic violence, and all of a sudden his health fails and he leaves, but then we'd probably let you transfer. You just got a sick grandpa? <laughs> Whatever, man. Sit down and shut up. Mm, probably shouldn't say that. Never mind. I think I was headed in the direction of it would be hard to be upset if someone in a very publicly manner, a very public manner, made a bit of a um, fool of Mark Emmert. Can you really like, make a fool of that guy, though? He just no, seems... I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to say what I'm trying to say, but I'm just going to say it. I mean, would you be sad if you were sitting there watching a Mark Emmert press conference and somebody walked well, on stage and clocked him? Oh, okay. Now, that's one thing. But I'm saying, like, as far as, like, using words. Yeah, he's kind of
0: done no, that to himself. Nothing embarrasses him. No, well, nothing embarrasses him. He's just like, hey, this no is something y'all did that was stupid. Oh, well, you know, we're the NCAA, so we can do what we want.
1: No shame. None. Let me back up. Hey, you don't want to see physical harm. I wonder if somebody was sitting in the stands and, like, old school style movie critic threw a rotten tomato at him. <laughs> Just splattered right all over his crisp white shirt. Hey, what, what other things could you do that, you know, not physical harm that would be. Never mind. I should probably stop going down this rabbit hole. (laughs) That's your college football fix. Look forward. Hope you got good memories with your grandpa. Even if he didn't get to see you play, he's got the best seat in the house coming up. Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favrates.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. I always enjoy our conversations with this guy, Vic Schaefer, head women's basketball coach at Mississippi State. His team is 22-4 and overall, 10-2 and in Southeastern Conference play, and they will be back in action coming up on Thursday as we're getting near the end of the season. Got a road trip to Auburn, a home game against Alabama, a home game against Arkansas, and then they finish up the year on March 1st. In Oxford against Ole Miss, and Coach, I, I want to get to basketball in a second, but I got a couple of things I need to ask you about. Okay. Number one, is there anything you're not good at? I, I saw you on the golf course this summer, and you got that licked. That you're you're legendary. Apparently, on a grill, you're obviously a fantastic <laughs> women's basketball coach. What do you not do well?
4: Man, I don't know. I'm I'm just like. <laughs> I'm just like an athlete. I try not to work on the things that I'm not good at. I like to go in the gym and work on the things that I'm good at. I don't want to be uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> so maybe you're smart, too, on top of that. That may be the advice that we all ought to, uh, ought to be taking.
4: Um, well, I tell you, I tell you when I'm not good. I'm not good early in golf because, you know, you lay off six months and it'll take me It'll take me a month to get it back right and get to my handicap. And, I mean, I'm miserable during that time. I mean, it's just – it's hard. But, I mean, if you don't do it, you, you, you know, it's hard to get back. you got to play that game now.
1: Yeah, you're, you're right. When I saw you in, in I don't know, mid-July at Old Waverly, and it was about 112 degrees. I think you were good oh, yeah. warmed up by that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Slightly more serious, I dropped the ball on this. We had a listener that sent us a text message kind of off the the air that said we should reach out to you around Veterans Day. Um, We we try to kind of honor our veterans and talk about the stories, and he said um, that there was a a family history there, and I'm not entirely sure if it's you or with some of your family members. What's your background there?
4: Yeah, so my dad was a bird colonel in the Army, 32 years, and, um, you know, I grew up, you can just count on it, I woke up to Reveille every morning. <laughs> but, you know, I just, uh, he fought in World War II, he was in the European theater, and uh, I still have a um, pistol that he traded with a German officer um, when they when they um, surrendered. I also have, not only do I have the the flag, that was on his casket when we buried him. Uh, but I also have all of his medals that he, he accrued and won or, or earned uh, during his time. And, and, uh, um, and I have laminated the San Francisco newspaper when the Japanese surrendered Wow. And uh, it was the front page of, of the San Francisco Herald, I think. And so, I mean, my mother—they met. Uh, he was in the army; she was in the Navy as a nurse, and she didn't stay in it uh, near as long as he did. But just being brought up with that kind of structure and that kind of uh, love for for his country—I mean, my father was as patriotic as any human being could possibly be. So. Consequently, I grew up the same way.
1: How has that shaped you as a coach?
4: How is that? What?
1: How how has that kind of shaped you as a coach in in your chosen profession?
4: Yeah, I'm. I'm. uh, You know, the discipline piece. um, You know, trying to. You know, want just being accountable. I mean. Dad was pretty much a no-nonsense guy. I mean, he's talking about a loving, caring family that I grew up in with my mother and father. And, you know, if we were middle class, we, we I mean, I, I, both of them worked their rear ends off. Mom was a registered nurse. When nurses didn't make any money, he was a civil engineer. and But I never knew it as a child. And I can remember going to Piccadilly Cafeteria as a as a young boy 10 11 12 years old and look we didn't go out and eat very often because quite frankly i'm sure we probably couldn't afford it but when we did this was long before Luann platters and everything was a la carte i can remember my mother and father getting a meat and splitting it so that i could have a full meat as a growing child and that's just you know it's just a, a, a sacrifice that you know, it may not mean anything to a lot of people, but, I mean, it, that's a sacrifice that my family, my mother and father were going to make for their son. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm sure at that age I was eating them out of house and home. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, so it's little things like that that you just remember and you, you love about and, and you really cherish about being, a you know, a part of a family like that. So as a coach, you know, again, I, I, I try to be – uh, I'm fair. I know my kids probably think I'm I'm fairly demanding, and again, we don't apologize for being demanding. Um, we try to be accountable, and um, you know I, that's just kind of how I was raised. So um, I think that's probably how it carries over into my coaching.
1: Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us, and I know that's probably not what you anticipated we would talk about today, or at not least part I, of the interview. I, but uh,
4: I, no. Hey, and part of love, you know, part of discipline is love, and I, I think that's the hard thing that kids get today. You know, part of discipline and having structure in your life is is love, and and you know, we love these kids here at Mississippi State like they were our own, and uh, but we also try to have some structure, and and with that, and then that comes some discipline, and so got to be disciplined in how we play, taking care of the ball, especially tomorrow night. Now we're not very disciplined tomorrow night we'll get we'll be in trouble because you can't turn the ball over against this team
1: all right so so on the basketball front you haven't lost many this year only four you haven't lost many in the last handful of years obviously (laughs) what what did you learn on sunday in the loss at kentucky
4: you know i asked my kids that yesterday it's funny that you asked that question i asked my kids what you learned about yourself and uh You know, I think we learned, number one, if if we're not going to be focused and have any kind of attention to detail defensively, you know, that's what we've built this program. I know we've been top two or three in the country and on offense the last couple years, but we've got to pay more attention to detail and be more locked in defensively, Um, and we just weren't on Sunday. I mean, it was. uh, I pulled every string I could pull. I had every lineup I could possibly play. I think I ended up with three freshmen on the floor, and and a sophomore and a junior when it was all said and done. And, um, you know, my young kids are so talented and they're just fearless. But we've, we, you know, we learned if we're not going to guard, if we're not going to have any type of focus defensively, it's going to be a long night because in this league, you know, offense. It, it it can be a bit of a challenge on the road some nights when you don't have it. The thing we've always said is defense travels. I mean, you may not have your jumper with you. You know, right. you may not be able to do certain things. But when you go on the road, man, defense travels. You ought to always be able to lock in and guard. So I've got to do a better job of making sure we're, we're, we're locked in on that end.
0: Hey, Coach, it's Brian Haydad. You mentioned, you know, your young players, and of course, the last few years you've had such a veteran team. Just for you as a coach this season, what's been the biggest challenge for you? What's been the biggest difference from going from those veteran teams you had the past three years to this one?
4: Just, um, I think the attention to the, the detail. I mean, this group, they energize me, and yet they can be so. Uh, they can be so demanding in so many different ways and again they're great kids i just love being around them and they're so much fun and gosh almighty they're confident and uh uh very skilled but you know we spend a lot of time um on stuff off the court you know being on time and being places where you're supposed to be and and just all the little things that, you know what, my staff is really good at. But when you have a veteran team, you typically by the time they're seniors, you don't have to worry about those things. And uh, when you have a young team like we do with the freshmen and the sophomores that we have, we spend a lot of time on, on a lot of the other things. And that stuff carries over. I mean – I'm. The, I, you're looking at a guy that took five and a half years to get out of college. So it, I get it when somebody walks in and says, "Man, Coach, math's wearing me out." You know, it's really hard. Biology is is I'm struggling, and and I'm really having. It. I get it, but we still got to take it. You know, we still got to battle in there and compete, and um, and so you know, that's something we really. Take, taking great pride in here is our, our team gpa and being in class on time and and all that kind of stuff and so you know and again it's i love these kids and they're they're so they're great but they're challenging and you have to you have to stay proactive guys is what i'm telling you you better see, be proactive for the next – you know, you're going you're gonna to yeah. get hit with something every day.
1: <laughs> I, I knew if we got you to talk long enough, we'd find something that I was better than you at. It took me six and a half years to finish college, so I got you.
4: <laughs> hey, and again, I, it wasn't that I was a big – you know, I, I, my distractions were hunting and fishing. I mean, really, go. that was my distraction. I went a big go-out-at-night guy and, and hang out. I just – man – if it got to be hunting season now, it was hard for me to stay focused in school.
1: <laughs> coach, appreciate your time. Wish you all the best for the rest of the regular season and look forward to talking to you soon.
4: I appreciate you guys so much. And, uh, stay tuned. I believe the best is yet to come. Praise the Lord and go dogs.
1: Sounds good. Vic Schaefer, head women's basketball coach at Mississippi State. They play Auburn on Thursday night. You
4: know I never, I never
2: seen you look so good
1: Certainly appreciate Vic Schaefer spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. Mississippi State coming off a loss to Kentucky, 22-4 on the year, 10-2 in the SEC, four left in the regular season starting Thursday night on the road against Auburn. They close out the regular season on March 1st in Oxford against Ole Miss, beat Ole Miss handily earlier this year. Handily, hey, Dad? That's a fair enough assessment, yes. This moment in sports history is brought to you by Acoustic Wave in Ridgeland. You can get wave therapy to treat many orthopedic conditions, including heel spurs, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, shoulder tendonitis, and more. Best part, no incisions, no scars, no downtime. You can go back to work the very same day. Contact Acoustic Wave today at AcousticWaveMS.com or call them at 855-563-6100. The number again, 855 563 60 6100 Borky were actually stealing from Saturday right
2: yeah there wasn't any good ones today and this is probably my favorite sports event even though I wasn't alive when it actually happened so I wanted to get this in <clears throat> in 1980
1: it was a good year a quickly assembled group of American college hockey players beat the Soviet Union considered the greatest international team ever assembled four to three. And the Olympic medal round in what is widely considered the greatest upset in the history of sports. It was not the gold medal game. It was the semifinal game, for lack of a better way to describe it. It is the day in which Al Michaels asked and answered the question, do you believe in miracles? You want to hear it? Yes. Now, <laughs> One of the greatest to ever do it. Any sport, Al Michaels, simply one of the best. The Soviets had won the four, uh, had won the previous four gold medals in the Olympics and five of the previous six. This one happened in Lake Placid, New York. The Olympics at that time were supposed to be amateurs only, but the Russians, as they sometimes tend to do, skirted those rules by having the players be employed by military or industrial firms for the sole purpose of playing hockey. The team was full of guys with lengthy international experience and were legends of the game, a handful of them members of the World Hockey Hall of Fame. Prior to that game in 1980, the Soviets had not lost since 1968.
2: 12 years, they 12. if you're doing the math at home.
1: They were on a 12-year win streak. On the flip side, the Americans had only one single player with one year of Olympic experience. Only four players had minor league hockey experience, and they were the youngest team not only in the tournament, but in USA hockey history. That game was not broadcast live. It was later aired via tape delay. And even then, parts of it were edited out to fit the time window.
2: In my, I've read so much about this and watched documentaries and stuff. I don't know why I've gravitated to this moment. But there are people still to this day that claim they watched it live and that it was live when they watched it. They, <laughs> they refuse to believe that it was on tape delay. Hey, Dan, For you, is that the greatest upset
1: of all time in sports?
0: Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. And it, you know, provided maybe the greatest, you know, play-by-play call right there in sports history. Great sports movie came out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's all. It's all good.
2: The political ramifications at the time, I think, are what's going to make it impossible to top. Like App State, Michigan, FCS, going to a top ten Michigan team. I mean, maybe the odds were greater in other games. But the fact that the Cold War was going on, that we had, I mean, Jimmy Carter was doing political battles with the Russians while the team was being assembled, you know? I mean, the the political ramifications and the, the tension between the two countries cannot be matched in sports on top of the insurmountable odds that they somehow overcame.
1: And you mentioned Jimmy Carter as president. A lot of people associate 1980 as Ronald Reagan as president, but it was not until the election in November of 1980 that Ronald Reagan won against Jimmy Carter and then took office in, I guess, January of 1981.
2: Yeah, and I mean, and the last time we talked about this, I remember a, a listener clapped back at me saying that there was no gas shortage at the time. That, that There absolutely was. So not even just the Cold War, that people were waiting in some places, hours at a time, just to fill up their gas tanks. It was a very odd time to live in this country, and it was hockey, of all things, that people rallied around. It's just remarkable.
1: So January 22nd, no, that's not right. February 22nd, 1980, the official date, that's still three days away, but that is a really good choice for this day in sports history. It's brought to you by Acoustic Wave MS. Um, They can help you with uh, whatever pain you have. Moment in sports history brought to you by Acoustic Wave in Ridgeland. Again, you can find them online at AcousticWaveMS.com or call them at 855-563-6100. Hey, Dad, what's your favorite (laughs) upset for Mississippi State in history? Alabama, uh,
0: 1980, 6-3. But you don't remember that. I don't remember it, but that, I mean that's gotta be it though. Okay. As far as like you're talking about like I was alive yeah, you've I seen. watching it.
1: Or, or or even if you weren't Maybe. actually there that you've watched on TV or listened probably, to on the probably radio. Probably still
0: Alabama 1992. <laughs> in nineteen ninety two. No, not 1996. Okay. ninety six. Ninety six. Ninety six
1: in Tuscaloosa? In, in in Starkville. Okay, it wasn't Starkville that year. Yeah. When did State well, win that, in Tuscaloosa in that time frame? the next year 97. So it was 97 when they won there. Yeah. Yeah, but that Alabama team was
0: bad. That was Mike DuBose's first year. Yeah. State was much better than them.
2: Bit of breaking I news to, I, here. Sorry. I'm about to say
0: I hate to break this up, but we got some some huge breaking news it looks like.
2: The NFL is changing for some reason their playoff structure. Only one team will get a bye now moving forward and 7 teams from each conference will make the playoff. So a it's total hilarious.
1: 14 teams will make the playoffs
2: instead of we were the just previous talking about 12. just MLB
0: changing playoffs, and now it's the NFL that's going to do it.
2: What's the rationale? I have a feeling it's it's part of the CBA negotiations. So I have a feeling the players are proposing this because they get more money, and probably the owners tend to agree. It's a money thing. That's the only reason why you do this. Um. So, was it Adam Schefter that
1: broke this? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so Adam Schefter's tweet, NFL playoff structure is about to be changed under the current CBA proposal. Seven teams from each conference will make the playoffs with only one buy per conference, sources tell ESPN. And it will go into effect this upcoming season. Does that mean we get an extra wild card round game? Is that right? That is right. Yeah. So if some is good, more is better in terms of the NFL playoffs, I guess. Does that mean we have a wild card versus wild card
2: game? I wonder... That's exactly what you'll have. And then those two teams will play the team that had the bye.
0: There it is.
2: I'm just guessing, but that's the most logical... That makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So on the opening weekend of the playoffs, wild card weekend, we will have four games.
2: Yeah, is that right? Or no, th- three on each side, three on each day. Yes.
1: Yeah, so six games total. So so six games, three on Saturday, three on Sunday. And then on division round weekend, we'll have four games, and then we'll have two for conference championship weekend and then obviously the Super Bowl.
2: Kind of feels like it devalues the regular season, but the playoffs are when the NFL is at its best. So if you're going to add a couple more games for me, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I don't – I mean, on the surface, it's hard for me to find a
1: negative there. I'm trying to see who would have who would have made the playoffs this year
0: if this had been if this had been an effect.
2: Dallas, Dallas would have been the other team. I believe on so. On the yeah. NFC side, mm-hmm. it would have been Dallas. Who,
1: who would it have been on the AFC side? Dallas or
0: the Bears? One of the, no, no. It would have been the Rams. The Rams were nine and seven. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they did
2: pass Dallas. Oh man.
0: And on the AFC side, it would have been. The
1: the Steelers? Yeah. The Steelers. Mason Rudolph in the playoffs last year. Wow. (laughs) Sports Talk Mississippi. A
0: Super Talk Mississippi media production.